Welcome to 15 Minutes on Health Inequalities, and a special podcast related to changes in vaccine effectiveness against COVID. So I'm Anna Pierce, based at the MRC CSO Social and Public Health Sciences Unit, and with me is... Alastair Leyland, also at the Social and Public Health Sciences Unit, and today we're talking to... Uh, Vital Katakredi, also at the uh, Social and Public Health Sciences Unit. Thanks, Vital. Can you tell us firstly what prompted you to carry out this piece of research? At the time, uh, there was a lot of debate about um, how well vaccines are working. So when the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine first came out uh, in Scotland, we were involved in a a piece of research uh, led by Edinburgh, uh, which looked at the real world effectiveness of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, making use of the the fantastic data infrastructure available in Scotland. So that showed that early on during uh, the vaccine rollout, the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine worked well in uh, protecting people against severe disease. So uh, in other words, preventing people ending up in hospital or dying. However, there were concerns that the levels of antibody found within uh, people in specific clinical studies, uh, antibody levels seem to be falling over time. And it wasn't really known whether that then translated to decline in protection against clinically important outcomes. So things like ending up in hospital or or dying. Uh, So that was really uh, a kind of a really important policy question, because if actually vaccines tended to diminish in terms of their effectiveness over time, in other words, if if the effectiveness or the level of protection waned, then there was potentially something that could be done about that in terms of providing boosters. So to inform that decision-making, we uh, carried out this study where we analysed Scottish data, but also built on a a previous partnership that we'd had with Brazil uh, and researchers in Brazil to to carry out a a similar analysis in Brazil as well, just to give us greater confidence in the results. Thanks, Vital. Really interesting stuff. Can you tell us briefly what you did? So... By using data from the whole population of of Scotland and also the whole population of Brazil, we looked at the risk of people ending up in hospital or dying as a consequence of COVID and how that varied depending on the length of time since vaccination. So if someone, for example, was vaccinated in January, we looked at what was their risk of being hospitalised or dying in February, but then also in March, April, etc., So, uh, and because we have people who are vaccinated at different times, we're able to look at how that risk might change depending on the length of time it's been since someone completed their their primary vaccination schedule. So the original license for vaccines was to get two doses of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine. So we looked at the length of time it had been since receiving those two doses. You carried out analyses in Scotland and Brazil. What was the added value of using these two countries? A big challenge with doing research on uh, COVID vaccination is that the rollout of vaccines happened very quickly, but also happened in uh, a stepwise way. 
So that meant that people at the greatest risk, so particularly the elderly, were vaccinated first, and then people at a kind of intermediate risk, so older people, but maybe not in the oldest group, were vaccinated next and so forth. So that then means that the people who you can study for the longest time period, the, peop uh, the people who were vaccinated earliest, and therefore uh, we can look at how long the, the people who therefore were vaccinated uh, furthest away are also the people at highest risk. So it can be quite difficult then to tease out this issue of, is there a problem with waning or is it actually an issue of differences in the age of people uh, who were vaccinated first? So is it an age difference or is it uh, this kind of cohort issue? Added to that complication is uh, the challenge of different variants over time. So as, uh, as the pandemics progressed, there have been, there was the original type of uh, coronavirus that we had, then there was uh, the alpha variant, and then the delta variant and so forth. So each of those might have a different level of vaccine protection. So you also have this added period effect, if you like. So we have quite a challenging situation to try and understand, is there waning happening or not? So uh, by looking across two settings, it gives you slightly more confidence that actually what you're observing is waning and not just differences in the age group who are vaccinated or uh, differences due to a change in variant. It's not perfect, but research never is. Uh, but it gives you a bit more confidence that, 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 that you're actually attributing the findings you're getting to, to, to the right explanation. And because of the timing, timing of the study, you're looking at effectiveness against the Delta variant in Scotland and mostly the Gamma variant in Brazil. But are you able to extrapolate from these results to what this means for the Omicron variant or subsequent variants? That's a great question. I think it's it's difficult because each new variant might have quite different vaccines might work to a, to a differing extent. And we're still not too sure about that. Uh, we are actually doing some more recent analyses where we're looking at Omicron specifically. The available data at the moment suggests Omicron is less severe in terms of your likelihood of ending up in hospital or dying than Delta. But the, the issue of vaccine waning, the emerging data seems to su suggest you see a similar pattern. So it does seem like it's, it's likely to be an ongoing issue of, of, of waning protection, at least with the current uh, available vaccines. And what were your headline findings? Um, what we found was that the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine the, its protection against severe disease fell uh, over time. Um, so early on, you, uh, the extent of protection against ending up in hospital or, or dying as a consequence of COVID, early on, the level of protection you get in the first kind of couple of weeks or so was, was often about 90, 95%. Whereas by the time um, you get to around 20 weeks, it, it, it's roughly down to to 50 to 60% or thereabouts. So it, it, the extent of protection really did seem to fall quite substantially over the course of, uh, of that time period. And our research, along with findings from 
uh, from England helped inform some of the decision-making around the, the rollout of boosters, for example, within the UK. So as you've already mentioned, Vital, the study was carried out in whole of population administrative data. And why was it important to be able to do that? So, so one of the important strengths of looking at whole population data is typically when medicines and, and including vaccines are, are first being studied, uh, researchers often look at quite atypical people. So people are often much healthier than the general population. They're, they're often kind of young volunteers. Whereas, so it might be great to know that vaccines work well in that kind of young, healthy population. But in the real world, it's important to know, do they work just as well or not? So I think when you were carrying out this research, Vitell, there was um, a bit of evidence about waning of the Pfizer vaccine, but sort of little or nothing about AstraZeneca. And what have subsequent studies found and how does that compare to the findings of your paper? Uh, so I think subsequent studies have, have generally come to a similar conclusion. They have generally found that protection against severe disease has been, did fall off quite markedly after two doses. So, so that's been seen in analyses within, for example, England, but also uh, there was a subsequent paper in The Lancet based on Swedish data, which, which came to a similar conclusion as we did. So I, I think there is now a kind of, an emerging body of evidence which, which tends to point in a similar direction. The $64,000 question is, what is the solution to vaccine waning? Yes, exactly. So the, the ideal solution is to have uh, a more effective vaccine. So I believe a lot of the, the vaccine manufacturers are, are, are trying to explore creating, if you like, a, a vaccine 2.0, which is tweaked so that it can be more effect, be effective over a longer time period, but also ideally more resistant to new variants as well. So, so, so I think that might be the longer term aspiration. In the, in the shorter term, I think we've seen from, from data in, for example, Israel, but also in, in the UK, I think as well, it's beginning to emerge that uh, further boosters are needed in terms of maintaining protection. Whether that's best done for the whole population or in a more targeted approach where we try to provide additional boosters to the people at highest risk, I think that, that that's a, an important policy question to consider. Thanks, Patel. So clearly this is a really important and relevant study. Um, are you aware of any direct impacts that it's had? So as we were doing the study, um, we were in discussions with the UK's uh, JCVI, so the Joint Committee on uh, Vaccines and Immunisations. And, and so we were kind of regularly sending through our interim results and so forth to, to the chair of the JCVI, but also other organisations like uh, uh, the World Health Organisation and the Brazilian Ministry of Health and so forth. So I think our data, but combined with, for example, the, the, the data from what was then Public Health England, probably informed the, the, the decision to go for a booster campaign. So as always, we'd like to finish by asking what are the implications of this work for health inequalities? In terms of 
socioeconomic inequalities and COVID. So although we didn't look specifically at the potential for vaccine waning to, to be different across deprivation groups, because the, the most deprived groups in Scotland are at the greatest risk of COVID-related harms, uh, and similarly because ethnic minority groups are at higher risk of severe COVID as well, the, any fall in protection is likely to, to hit those groups harder. So just as a consequence of the, their initial risk being higher, if there's a similar uh, percentage fall in vaccine effectiveness, then that will actually have a greater impact on uh, their absolute risk of severe disease. So, so, so that's an important consideration. However, there are, there are other aspects of inequalities which we did look at directly. So, for example, age-related inequalities. So we know that older people are at much greater risk of severe COVID, but also uh, gender-related inequalities. So men are at more risk of severe COVID than women, and also men tend to die younger. So there is a, a potential for narrowing inequalities in, in terms of those dimensions. There's a, there's a kind of broader issue here of uh, global health inequalities and health inequalities between countries. So I, I did struggle a little bit with thinking about, well, how do we balance this need for ensuring rapid and equitable rollout of vaccinations at a, at a global level? So in particular within Africa and the, the tendency to administer uh, increasing numbers of boosters within high-income countries. To some extent, I think the, the boosters within the UK uh, and, and in most countries are, are mRNA boosters, uh, which are tending not to be used within uh, low-income settings, just because the, the cold chain requirements and so forth are, are much more stringent. So that tension may not always actually in reality be there. But, but I do think the uh, there is more work needed to address the largely political barriers to, to roll out at a global level. That's great. Uh, thanks very much for talking to us, Vital. It's a fascinating study. And thanks also to everybody listening. Um, details about where to find this paper. So this work was published in The Lancet early this year. And also information about the participants in this podcast can be found in the um, podcast notes. Um, thank you all again. Great. Thank you.